into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me. But I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. Back for another televised heroics, Daniel. We've uh, we've now come back away from our uh, silver screen editions, and we're going to talk about Preacher, which was a kind of a big hit over the summer. And uh, we watched the whole thing, so uh, we figured we'd give it our little bit of a televised heroics treatment since it is a, cart- a comic book from uh, Vertigo, which is a DC imprint for the more mature reader. Yeah. Um, definitely excited to talk about this. How about yourself? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely wanted to go over a lot of things. Or There's a, a few things I want to talk about in the show because... Uh, you know, at the beginning, I thought it was, uh, a, it, I was expecting something different, I guess is, is the best way to put it. But, um, I think before that we should get into some news cause there's been quite a bit. So, All right. uh, let's go ahead and let, I want to talk about two things from Gotham real quick. So, uh, David Mizzou, I think that's how you say his last name. The, the young man who plays Bruce Wayne on that show, which I have to say, he's gotten much better in the three seasons that they've had. Uh, or is it two Thank seasons? God. I don't remember. Are we are we starting in the fourth season or are we starting in the third season? We're starting in the third season. Okay. So, yeah, he's gotten much better in his, his acting. And uh, and the, 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 the direction of their character, the character itself has, gone, has gotten better. So, But... He has stated, and I guess an interview t- with uh, IGN, that he would love to see a young teenage Clark Kent show up on the show, uh, which I think would be pretty interesting, you know, to see a young Bruce Wayne, a young Clark Kent kind of interact and, uh, you know, because that's, that's very much Silver Age there, Silver Age comic books, where the, the young Bruce Wayne and young Clark Kent had adventures as well as, uh, uh, you know, a, a young Superboy. So, um, what would you think of something like that? Would you think that that's a character that should that should come up on the show? I just don't know how they would play it out, but I mean, it would be since we already have like I guess the Schumacher type feel, you know, as you put it yourself before. I think it could definitely you know play out, make things a little bit interesting, a little bit more fun as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I definitely wouldn't have him go full on Superman abilities or anything, but maybe just ha- like it'd be his super strength at at first, and like he he's trying to deal with it, and then all of a sudden, a young Bruce Wayne is like, "Oh, you have powers. That's interesting," you know, kind of thing. Like actually show a little bit more of his detective side coming out, and uh, you know, you're right. You know, you could have a little bit of silliness because it is a more Schumacher esque world. Uh, so that, I think that, I mean, I think it would be interesting. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I mean, it's just a suggestion from an actor. So who knows if they'll actually pick it up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I doubt he has any say in what storylines get picked up and, <laughs> and written, but I mean, it's, it's a good idea. Uh, also they have confirmed that Cameron Monaghan who played Jerome will be coming back as Jerome in the next season. 
So we, I mean, we obviously we already see that uh, people were, that are dead in Gotham don't necessarily stay dead. So uh, we get to see his Joker come back or or Joker esque, so that he can build up the myth of the Joker. The Joker. I'm sorry. And uh, they literally goes on to say, uh, setting the stage that if there is a season four, hopefully we'll bring that back in a much bigger way and you'll see these different versions of the Joker myth. So there you go. Are you okay with uh, seeing more of uh, more of that Joker? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely uh, did like his you know port, uh, portrayal of it, so I wouldn't mind seeing more. I think there was, uh, I mean, one scene when he was talking to the camera uh, when they were raiding the police station that you know felt very uh, Heath Ledger's, but you know it actually was pretty cool. I liked it. True. Yeah. I mean, I, at first I thought it would be weird for uh, his character to be a Joker, but like. I really enjoyed the way that he played it up and it seemed like you you got a mixture of a lot of the different jokers that are out there or that were out there at the time as Heath Ledger's Joker, uh Mark Hamill's Joker and a little bit of Jack Nicholson's Joker. So he, I I think they did a good mixture of it and he he had he had a good laugh. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unlike Jared Leto's Jared Leto's laugh as the Joker. <sighs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh that movie <laughs> so uh i know you had something you wanted to talk about with um oh i forgot already what was it that you wanted to talk about so this actually surprised me since um i know that they went back and uh did a lot of reshoots for uh comedic effect um you know, for Suicide Squad. So I honestly thought that they're like, oh, hey, Deadpool had, you know, a unicorn for comedic effect. We should have a unicorn in our movie <laughs> for comedic effect. But it turns out that it was a, a character choice and it was a director choice to make, you know, Captain Boomerang a brony. So that explains why he had an obsession with Pinky throughout the movie. <laughs> oh, was, was that a, a specific uh, brony unicorn thing in that in the movie? No, it wasn't like from you know the actual uh, My Little Pony thing, but oh, okay. that's the reason why he has a, a unicorn. Oh, okay. So I, I I I didn't know, but yeah, that's that is interesting that 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 was always a choice that they wanted to do with that character, and and I mean, if anybody who reads comic books, I know it sounds terrible when I say it that because then all of a sudden I'm just a fanboy, but like, that's not the character of Captain Boomerang. Like literally in that movie, I think the best, the best portrayal of Captain Boomerang in that movie was the part that when he gets caught by the, the flash, like that's the character. He, he would double cross the guy that he's helping or that's helping him rob the jewelry store and then kill him and then walk away. Cause he's, He's in it for himself. So the character that right. of this crazy guy who needs to keep drinking, share, you know, saves his beers and stuff like that was, don't get me wrong, probably the funniest part of the whole movie for me. It, like, I, it's a character <laughs> I enjoyed, but it's not the character of Captain Boomerang. Oh, um, you know, let me add, add to this, too. Um, this really struck me as odd, but... 
Um, I mean, I read a couple of other interviews, and Jay Cor- or Jai, Jay um, Courtney said that in the script, it just said that, you know, uh, Captain Boomerang gets captured by, and then it just says, unknown. So he filmed that whole scene without being known who caught him, <laughs> and post-production, it was a flash that caught him. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I, I can see that happening because the in the flash in that scenes is pretty much CGI because he's running around. But, but his his next line when he's unrevealed from out of the bag is like, I was just sitting at home and then this dude in a red suit caught me. I mean, I guess that could have been implied that it was Superman too, but. Yeah. I just felt that they should add a little bit more additional dialogue, you know, for those that didn't get it. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's. That's kind of the, the I think the overall bad part of this of that movie. It's the it's the editing and the the story pacing. There's so many problems with like you don't understand like if you didn't know anything about these characters, you really don't know anything about these characters. I I, I would think, but uh, you know it's it's doing well in the box office, so maybe you yeah. just need to be quiet and just be behave. So <laughs> I guess this is the DC we're stuck with, so we should just shut up. <laughs> yep, yeah, shut up and enjoy it. I guess. <laughs> uh, going into The Walking Dead for the next season now. Showrunner Scott Gimple, who's been the showrunner, I believe, since season three, uh, has wrote a letter, you know, an open letter to the internet, to the fans of the show. And this is what it says. It says, to the friends, fans, and curious, committed, the initiated, and the OGs. You know the beginning, and it's almost here. Enjoy your summer because the beginning is is someone's end, but it is a beginning. What happens in episode one will shatter the lives of those who survive and will render the narrative in different trajectories, in which we will see our characters in completely new situations, torn from the pages of the comics, and remixed in the Walking Dead Remixinator 5000. We'll see all new different worlds with new friends, enemies, and others. Uh, with alignments ranging from lawful good to chaotic evil and all the neutrals in between. We'll see unthinkable dangers from the damnedest of places. Yes, there will be blood, but there will also be cobbler. We, we kid you not, there's going to be a hard goodbye in the beginning, but you know that, and it's almost here. As Simon says, be good to each other, or be good to each another. Scott M. Gimple. So, you know, it's a, it's a letter telling us that expect that 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 to show up you know in season at the beginning of the season and uh you know embrace it because other other things are going to be happening too yep and i mean um jeffrey dean morgan has been saying at cons like you know within the first five ten minutes of you know episode one of the new season you're going to immediately find out who you know who got who got to meet lucille <laughs> uh, Lucille up close and personal. Yep, so uh, I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting that that you know that was such a big part of the beginning of this year, I guess, you, if you the way you want to put it. But to think that that's going to be coming up here in October, and I don't know, it's just so. It, I don't, to me, it's just kind of strange. Why? Why would he say it's uh, kind of strange? 
just to think i mean i still have my i i still have my uh belief of who it is that 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 dies but i just it's i don't know just feels strange that someone's going to be gone in that way in such a brutal way and that we've had to anticipate it all summer i know well i mean i think some of us you know kind of forgot about it i mean I've been watching other shows to keep me occupied and watching other <laughs> movies. I'm reading comics, so but I know it's approaching, and maybe I'm just denied the fact that it's approaching and I don't want to find out. <laughs> I, I think that's that might be a little bit of it. I mean, that's probably what it is for me because, yeah, you're right. I, 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 it's, it's not something you think about all the time because it's just a TV show, but uh, maybe it's a little bit of denial in the back of your head to be like, uh, let's just suppress it and not think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you had another uh, story that you want to talk about? Um, it's just very light. It's just that um, a lot of fans are freaking out over Hugh Jackman's, you know, most recent picture on Instagram. How he looks so freakishly old. You know, I I, I didn't actually look at it. I, I remember seeing the story pop up uh, in in a feed somewhere, but uh, I didn't I didn't actually look at it. So how how good is the makeup look? I mean, Hugh Jackman is kind of getting up there in age. This is. He's been playing the character for what sixteen years now, but you got uh, how? What did the makeup look like? Um, you know, a few wrinkles here and there, liver spots on his face, and you know, great hair. So, did the, I, have you have you read Old Man Logan? Oh yeah, love that story. And did did he look like Old Man Logan? He didn't have like the long kind of hair like how he had it in the comic book. Okay. Maybe it was just the angle, and I couldn't tell. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I I just uh, I I mean I was just wondering because like every other report that I've read about the like especially the casting when they're talking about the, these characters that are going to be in it, it had none of them sound like the characters that you hear you read in the book. So I was just I th- I thought they were actually not going with the old man Logan storyline but i mean if he's got the he's got the look going on then maybe there is going to be some i mean it's probably like how x-men origins wolverine you know has a little bit of origin in it like the way that certain things look but it, it definitely skews away from it you mean how we you know we all fought in every or i mean wolverine fought in every war yeah like that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my last piece that I had is that not really, it's not really a story or anything, but, uh, there's been rumors that Kyle Chandler will be playing Cable in Deadpool 2. Uh, I don't know if you know who the actor Kyle Chandler is. I think the, right now he's in a Netflix show called Bloodlines, but I think the bigger role that a lot of people know him from is he's the, the coach from Friday Night Lights, the TV show. And, uh... You know, there's this artist or studio online. If you follow them on Twitter or Instagram, you'll see the pictures whenever they pop up. But as soon as someone is ever rumored to play a character, a combo character, this uh, boss logic usually puts up a picture that they've drawn that incorporates that actor into a picture of that combo character. And they've uh, created uh, one look for Kyle Chandler as as cable and it's an interesting look it's not something that i prefer i still think there's other better actors out there that would be better for the role but you know kyle chandler's not a bad actor so it could be interesting and they also had um a uh there's also a girl rumored to play 
Domino as well, and her name is uh, I forget what her first name is, but her last name is Mackenzie, and she was in um, she's in this new she's in the show on AMC called Halt and Catch Fire. She's also was in The Martian last year, so uh, she's in a few things. If you you go and search her out, and they also drew a picture of her as as Domino. So uh, look up Boss Logic on Twitter or Instagram, and you can you uh, see those pictures and a lot of the other pictures that they've done for anybody that's rumored to play a character ever is this the same artist that did um when kevin smith said i you know ice cube could potentially play you know john stewart uh i believe so he also did a picture of uh ice cube as j jonah jameson so yeah usually that's uh that when, whenever a rumor goes out that this guy this studio if it's a guy girl if it's a bunch of people uh draws draws a picture of them in that character it's pretty awesome. I wish I, wish I was that talented. <laughs> uh, me as well. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that's all the news that's fit to talk about, unless you have something else. No, I'm good. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, let's talk about Preacher then. Now, I mean, this is pretty much their show to... I mean, this was AMC's attempt, I would assume attempt, to try to keep a hold of their viewers... When uh, The Walking Dead went off the air. So uh, we have uh, AMC's uh, Preacher, which is also a comic book and produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Uh, you know, a lot of their, which is, I think, is different because they're, they're usually doing a lot of comedies and stuff, but this is, has, has co- comedy uh, elements in it, but I think it's more um, supernatural than anything else. Would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Were you gonna say something? I mean, uh, I did want to. Yeah, I was gonna ask you really quickly. Like, I mean, what has um, Evan Goldberg really done? I guess like produced or written. Oh, if you know, he, yeah, him, and Seth Rogen are, are writing and producing partners. So anything that Seth Rogen's in is produced by Evan Goldberg as well. Oh, okay, gotcha. So any one of their movies, Knocked Up, uh, Super Bad. Like super bad is the two of them wrote that together. Okay. Which I think oh, I just looked up on IMDb. Also Sausage Party. <laughs> yeah, Sausage Party, which just came out this past weekend. Uh you know, which actually did pretty well for a movie that's an R rated animated hard hard R rated animated movie. Yep. I haven't seen it yet. Definitely want to watch it though. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. Um yeah, so which I even think are, I think the two characters in Superbad are named Evan and Seth, like Michael Sarah's character oh, and Jonah think, Hill's character. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're, they're I mean they're partners. They like this. I think as I heard the story goes, when they were teenagers. It was Evan's older brother or Seth's older brother, one of the two, that introduced them to Preacher comic books. And they started reading them, and they were just like, this is the best story ever in comic book form. So they knew that they wanted to uh, adapt it once they, I guess, they got the the ability to. Uh, And as you were saying, that they shopped it around for quite a long time, right? Yeah, they, um, you know, Seth Rogen was saying, uh, we spent a lot of years you know, pitching this to different studios until it finally got picked up. And, you know, with with that kind of hype... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I was just to say with that kind of hype, you know, I figured that this show, well, we can save this for later. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just going to say that I know before Seth and Evan had a hold of it, uh, at one point in time, Garth Ennis, the, the writer of the comic book, uh, and co-creator along with Steve Dillon, I believe, um, went to Kevin Smith and asked him to try and shop it around or help shop it around. And at the time, I think in the late nineties or maybe early 20, two thousands, they went to Harvey Weinstein to try and, uh, or the Weinstein company, or maybe at the time, uh, new line to try and get it made into a movie, but they weren't able to because they wanted to have, like he wanted, I, I believe the story goes, he, he wanted Harvey Weinstein wanted to make something like The Crow. So he was like, is it like The Crow? Because The Crow had, had just come out. So I guess it would be in the 90s. And it's a, you know, that The Crow was a comic book. And he's like, no, it's not like that at all. But so <laughs> he, they, they passed on it. Damn, I see. Okay. Well. So in this show, though, uh, we have... We have so we have a, a cast of characters and a, ca- a bunch of actors that are, you know are not un unfamiliar. I guess is a good word for it with uh, comic book properties and superhero properties because we have Dominic Cooper, who we already know as Howard Stark from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, both in uh, Captain America: The First Avenger and uh, uh, Agent Carter on the television show Agent Carter. Yep. I mean, I've seen a couple of other movies with Dominic Cooper, but I am a fan of him. Yeah, no, he's a great actor. There's there's a lot of good movies with him in it, and I think, uh, you know, this will help put him closer to the top of being well-known. Um, now, we also have uh, the the girl, uh, Tulip, who, you know, I can't think of her the actress's name at the moment, but she was in uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Reyna, or the girl in the flower dress. And then she was also in a uh, BBC TV show called Misfits, where she played a teenager with a superpower to teleport, uh, which was I thought was a really great show. I don't know. There's about five seasons of it. You should, If you haven't seen it, you should give it a try. Try and find it somewhere. I believe it's on Hulu. Um, really good show about these. It's basically a bunch of teenagers that are doing... Um, community service because they've broken some law in some way and they get they get superpowers and of course they don't use them to be good they just use them to jerk around it's real funny isn't that um based on a comic book i don't believe it is why do you why do you say might be okay uh i'll get back to you on that one i think it might be (laughs) Then you have the the actor who plays uh, Cassidy in the show, who was also was also in that in that movie. He was or that TV show, Misfits. He was in the I believe season three, four, and five. Uh, and his particular power is that he's able to split into three people, and each person, each version of himself has a different personality, and, and he is just like in this show, pro, uh, the com- the comedy relief in uh, Misfits. He's incredibly funny. So uh, they, anybody who hasn't seen it should definitely give that a try. Now we also have uh, Jackie Earl Haley as the as Odin Quincannon. Quincannon, yeah, yeah, Quincannon. 
uh, and we we know J- Jackie O'Haley is uh, Rorschach from uh, from Watchmen. Thank you, <laughs> Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and you know, an actor that's you know very versatile. He can he does a lot of things. I mean, bear in mind after being Rorschach, he, he ended up getting a lot of roles where he played the the crazy person like uh shutter island or uh the new the new nightmare on elm street but you know he could he did also did the brand new robocop where he was the guy who trained robocop he was in um i don't know a lot of other things but uh you know this he plays the the guy who owns the meat and power company which to me is very interesting that you're both a slaughterhouse and a power company for this little town uh and yeah. <laughs> kind of has his own little god complex, but at this point he's the richest man in town and controls just about everything. So why wouldn't he have a god complex? Right. Um, you know, basically buys a property off of a off a family, and as soon as they sign the fucking contract, it gets destroyed. <laughs> uh, now, one of the interesting stories i think that was that that plays out through the the show and there's plenty of other characters that we're, we're going to eventually talk about but one of the interesting sub stories i guess you could say would be the i would think the ratwater cowboy story and to me at the time at for some a lot of the times i thought was probably the most interesting story because you got so little of it at at, at points what did you think of that story it was really good especially i mean you know, some, sometimes I felt like it was really, really vague, but like I wish I saw more of that. And it was sometimes um, that's what I guess it was the um, how the episode started. You know, it would gave a little bit of detail slash history of like you know of the town and what you know. I guess maybe foreshadowing of what was going to happen later. Yeah, exactly. I think it would. It was definitely. Uh, it was definitely written the way it was to piecemeal everything out so that you would have uh, a little bit here, a little bit there so that you would want more, I would guess, and which I definitely did. And then once we finally found out that, you know, this character is actually just stuck in his own personal hell of having to relive the, the death of his family over and over. Dude, just figure that out i was just like that kind of fucked me up a little bit not gonna lie <laughs> exactly when the the two angels uh or i don't know do you think those two were angels i mean one of them i think is an angel i think the other one's a demon but when they both walk into that that bar uh i would have to say that it, you know when you just and it and the little fucking pop-up of hell shows up i was like oh that's so perfect. Because I, I was wondering, well, why are they just showing this over and over again and then sped up and then slowed down? And I was like, oh, he has to relive it over and over again. I get it. That was just tough, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, before we go any further, I want I, I should ask, because I haven't read any of them. Have you read any of the Preacher comic books? No, not at all. I'm kind of interested because um, I guess uh this only told about 30-40% and you know of course I can't give everything out because it's a TV show and has to play over time but if it only gave us so little I wanted to know what else is going on at you know while we're watching these events unravel and you know I have to say this is one that's one thing that I think is uh uh that really hurt me or 
hurt the show for me at the very beginning of the season is that it felt like a lot of what was happening happened before the show started. Like there was, it was a lot of playing catch up in, in these episodes. Uh, and, and I really didn't like it because I just felt like I, I'm, I'm missing something and, and I don't understand what's going on. And, uh, and it, it just, it felt like I didn't know what, what to, what to do. Everything was way too vague. And I thought maybe it's because I hadn't read the comic books and you need to read the comic books or something like that. But I think, I think what I'd heard is that the, this first season is, it doesn't have to do a lot with the comic books, or at least it's a lot of the backstory that you get in the comic books throughout the story. And then eventually I think where we're starting and if, if they get a second, I think, I believe they've already gotten a second season where they're going to go looking for God. They got picked up. Yeah, it did get picked up. Okay. Where they're going to go looking for God is where the comic books start. Right. And, um, I mean, from what I heard, it tells you about because in the comics it has a lot of flashbacks, but um, apparently it's majority of the flashbacks from uh, the first six issues that are basically the first season. Okay, yeah, that, that I mean, that, I think that's what I was uh, think I heard as well. So that's very interesting that that's what uh, would be um, what it was. So I understand where they're coming from in this first season. And I think because I ended up, I, I I'll just put this out there now as a disclaimer. I watched the first two seasons when they aired, or not the first two seasons, the first two episodes when they aired. Uh, but then I waited for the rest of the season to get done, and then watched it all as a binge. And to me, it played a lot better that way. Like it, it plays like a show that should be on Netflix, where you binge the whole thing. It it, it flows it flows that way for me. Yeah, um, I will agree with you on that. Um, I remember over the summer, we were discussing what we should do, and um, I binged um, the first three episodes, you know, back to back, and then we took that break, and we did, you know, our Geek Elite goes to, or Televised Heroics goes to the movies, and then, you know, we uh, we binged the rest of the season, and yeah, definitely, uh, this is a show for binge watchers. It's not a show to slowly watch because i feel like so much information is given or it's so vague that if you take a week you're gonna get forget what happened i definitely think you'd forget between episodes because i think there is a lot of uh just kind of yeah vagueness i guess is the best way to put it um especially with characters that that come in and just kind of give you little pieces and then leave just like the the two angels or the two feds or whatever you want to call them um, they're there at the beginning of the season. You find out that after Cassidy kills them, they come back to life or, you know, another versions of them come around, you know, it's all very, uh, piecemeal. And you, you have to wonder if, uh, if they intended, they intended to, to write the show as, as more of a binge watching show. You know, I, I feel like right now, um, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to quote you too, but I feel, you know, you're, this is one of the shows that it relies on the fans or the viewers who already do the research and already know who these characters are and what's going to happen next. Just kind of how DC is very vague with what's going on. If you're, if you don't read the comics, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? But if you're a fan of the comics, you can know exactly what's going on and what purpose they serve true and that's a very it's a very uh 
thin line to walk because you know if you if you're relying a lot on on the fans of the comics then you're gonna also have fanboys like myself of the comics that are gonna come out well this is different and that that's not the same and that's you know that's definitely changed and that's i don't know why they did that but if you if you're able to balance that line well then you're gonna get you'll get the the word amount that you want and uh, if they're already greenlit for a, a season two, then yeah, I guess you know it's worked out well for them. Yeah, I mean, another character that wasn't really there, but it's going to play a bigger part is the man of the white suit from I think uh, episode four, I want to say, or episode five. Yeah, the one that uh, that was met in that snuff film festival or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, him. Interesting. Uh, I, you know, I until right now when you you mentioned him because that's the only scene that he shows up in. I hadn't even thought about him. So, uh, do you know more about this character? I just know that he's uh, going to be you know be, be a bigger part of the next season. But that's all I know since I haven't read the comics. I've just been I did a couple of you know a little bit of research of like here and there about what, things that stuck out to me, and I wasn't quite sure why they were introduced and how come we never saw. You know, heard from them ever again, right? So yeah, uh, it's definitely a character that you, you'd want to uh, keep an eye out for because he, yeah. he's going to play a bigger part. Which I, I would assume that when they're going across country uh, or they're in this on their road trip, as Cassidy put it, um, to find God, I would assume that uh, you know he, he's going to be. Uh, following them and so is the the cowboy from hell yeah and and since you brought up cassidy um i feel like he really obviously he's a comic relief um in certain points so odd he plays the moral compass but oh i definitely think he plays the moral compass too because he's definitely the heart at, at a lot of points for and which is a very interesting character choice for a vampire you know uh right <laughs> so it was... i mean he gets introduced to us as you know somebody that does fucking drugs and is a fucking alcoholic in the first episode <laughs> and for him to be a moral compass it's just like whoa you know what's really going on in this world yeah exactly and you know i i love i love the way that they you know they they've created that character so that yeah he does these drugs and he and he, like he even gets the money from those uh, feds and he's like from the angels yeah from the angels and he's like oh you know opiates and black beauties and all kinds of stuff and it, it's like he's lived for so long he just wants he, he just wants feelings he wants things to make him feel which i, I understand being a you know I, I i don't understand being a vampire but i understand with the the <laughs> archetype of vampires that we've seen throughout uh film and, and literature history that you know that's more often than not that's a that's a a a goal for them or a a motivation for them for just to have feeling so he has all that but then he has he also is like that look you you know what you're doing is wrong this thing is taking over your brain you you're not you're not being you preacher and it it's it's just amazing like even to the point where he's like look i'm gonna take i'm gonna take my shirt off i'm gonna go out in the sun and (laughs) i'm gonna start to burn so it's up to you if you want to save me or not. And for the, you know, that's a good like episode and a half where you don't know if he actually saved him or not. Right. And I mean, just, um, I'm just going to say this, um, you know, for cable TV show, the special effects with him 
burning were not all that great, but they weren't that bad. They're actually the production value on this show is good too. So this show also needs to go somewhere else. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, the production value is is pretty good, and I mean you could see that like they used a lot of the their production money in episode one and then episode ten, the, the season finale, uh, especially in the first episode when you know you see uh what's the 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 guy doing like a church meeting in the middle of Africa and then all of a sudden the the entity hits him and he just explodes that's explodes. <laughs> that's just like whoa where did that come from okay this is how we're starting the show <laughs> yeah and you know that was like the whole this show's going to be really interesting and really bloody then yeah no exactly uh, and then, and then you get, uh, Cassidy, you know, killing the angels and then, and then you have the angel fight scene between what it's, uh, Belfour, Balfour and, uh, uh, LaFleur or four or whatever. I no LeBlanc and floor and, uh, versus the Seraphin angel. And then all, and then all of a sudden, uh, preacher joins in. And then after that, you got Cassidy just showing up and, it's just dead bodies everywhere because the angels just reappear, but their bodies still stay there. So I, you have to wonder what they did with all those extra bodies. I know. Right. And then, you know, a few moments later, the sheriff just walks in and that fucking angels just kind of like no legs kill me. You know, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, you see, and then you have to wonder if that's that's a build up for the sheriff's character because of his son being, uh, you know, arse face, arse face, <laughs> you know, uh, having to live with that disability for his whole or the rest of his life or, you know, whatever and going through life like that. So the the pre or the sheriff's just like, yeah, maybe I should just kill her. And she, he chokes her out. That was I mean, for a guy who's supposed to be the sheriff of the town, that's uh, a pretty bold decision. Yeah, I felt, you know, I felt sympathy with him. But at the same time, I was like, is that kind of out of character, though? Wouldn't he try to do what was best for that other character, you know, try to save her or just, you know, leave, leave it there? I, I think at this I think at this point in time, uh, it's not out of character for him because Eugene is missing. And but he is already uh, right before Eugene went missing. He had already blown up at the kid, like, you know, throwing his eggs on the ground and. And screaming at him, and and then uh, and I, I don't think I don't think Cassidy had already started talking to him about wouldn't it be better if he was gone at this point? Did he? I don't remember, but see, there you go, Cassidy again. Perfect point, uh, you know, moral compass right there. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's frustrated with his life because he's got a, a a wife that's you know basically catatonic, and then he's got a son that's not only uh disabled now but is also like the hate most hated person in town he, you know a lot of people kind of treat him like he's a joke because he's not he's not that good of a sheriff and he's obviously in the palm of Odin Kincannon cuz whatever he Kincannon says he's like okay you heard the man you know let's go i mean the girl dies on his land and they're just like you girls need to be more careful and you men this is what happens when you run, you get rowdy. It's like, wow. So, uh, 
it, it, he's you could see where I think it's a it's it's a good build up of uh, for his character to the point where yeah I'm just gonna let let this lady die or kill this lady to put her out of her misery, not knowing that she's not gonna die or even if that body dies then she's gonna show up again later. Right, and um, I mean fuck, I mean you know at this point we already know that our faces already goes through a tough time and just for fucking. Jesse to sentence him to hell. That was crazy. Cause like, uh, the, I mean, you got to wonder what his, I mean, if hell is, is, is like what it is for the cowboy, for everybody to have their own little personal hell. What more could he just be having? To, I mean, he might have to just live through the the day that he shot the girl and shot himself uh, over and over again. He I shot assume. coma girl and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's got to be trying to stop himself, <laughs> and and the fact that he's a, a you know a living soul that's in purgatory or in hell. He's not. It's not like he's a a person that was bad and went to hell after he died. He's still alive. So yeah, uh, <laughs> conundrum after conundrum, <laughs> and I love the fact that this manifestation is, is shown up in Jesse Custer's head, the preacher's head of Arseface just being like, it's okay, preacher. I know you're going to help me whenever you get a chance. So you got to wonder if that's like actually Arseface talking to him or if it's like just a manifestation of a preacher's mind that's trying to help him cope with the fact that he sent a living boy to hell. I think it's, uh, it's his manifestation of uh, the guilt of him, you know, sending a nip, innocent i want to say he's innocent innocent child to hell you know and i think that's why he keeps seeing him over and over and over again because he has to live with the fact that he sent a boy to hell yeah i mean yeah exactly he does have to live with that fact and he has to he has to overcome it or or at least that's what i believe that he's going to try and do with when he when he finds God, uh, is to you know try and find a way to get him back. You got to wonder why the Genesis power can't get him back on his own though. Because um, I was reading on his power, uh, he can't command a per. Well, fuck, it doesn't really make sense then, because uh, you can't command a person to do something that they already can't do on their own. So that's right. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, if he was, he was able to command him to go to go to hell, then you gotta wonder. I mean, why can't he command him to come back? But yeah, uh, it's that's that's an interesting character right there. Now, one of the other characters uh, that we see in the town is uh, this the Emily character, who has three kids, is kind of dating the mayor, and is has a full time job. And hey, no strings attached. Remember that. That's what she said. She, <laughs> she she definitely says that. But that's why I said kind of dating the mayor. And uh and and is also uh you know, super volunteer at the church. But she obviously has like feelings for for Jesse, right? Mhm. I don't know. You see I, what in the I don't know what the rules for a preacher second are. Second or third episode where what so I was gonna say I don't know what the rules for a preacher are. Are they allowed to have girlfriends? Are they allowed to 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 have a wife? Is that the same? Is it the same as a priest? A priest isn't allowed. It has to take a vow a, a vow of uh, celibacy, right? I'll look that up because uh, I was watching Arrested Development and how um, parent or aunt's dad is um, a pastor and he's allowed to have 
mar- get married and have uh, children. Okay, so yeah, I, I, it's probably like a reverend and, and a preacher is, is like that. So okay, that makes sense. So uh, I mean, obviously she wants to be with. I mean, it's it it seems to me very obvious that she wants to be with Jesse, but Jesse doesn't even think about her that way. He doesn't think about anybody that way. I mean, even Tulip, it takes. I mean, it takes the fact that they have a past for him to eventually come around to being like, yeah, I want to be back together with you. Oh, um, apparently pastors and preachers are the same thing. So yes, I can get married. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for looking that up. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but you were going to say in episode two or three, um, you know, she was, well, I guess um, I just want to say like throughout the whole time, you can tell that, you know, she's looking out for him driving him around, you know, spending time with him, you know, being company for him. So you can tell that there's something there. Right. And it's more than just the the love for the church, I think. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, do you think, which also doesn't make sense because I mean, do you think that he's pushing her away? Cause he, he does admit that he has feelings for Tulip and then Tulip comes back and he's like, no, you can't be around me. You can't be here. I can't, go back to the person who I was. Well, I think that's, you know, that definitely when we finally find out what happened between uh, Jesse and Tulip in the past, when they were robbing that bank and then uh, Carlos betrayed them and she ends up losing the baby. I I, I would assume that, you know, Jesse kind of cracked there. He couldn't, he couldn't be around Tulip anymore because he was so full of anger. And then in that decision of being full of anger, he went back to his hometown reclaimed his his father's church and uh you know decided to try and put that behind put that life behind him and become a new person and and be the preacher that his father wanted him to be and really though and tulip just just reminds him of his past i'm sorry i cut you off what were you saying also really though being the preacher that his dad wanted him to be really (laughs) Well, I think I assume that the preacher that he assumes his dad wanted to be, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very interesting. So, um, did we ever get a reason why, uh, his father died or was killed? Uh, I written that down. Wait, uh, I just have, okay. I have ski trip incident. I don't remember that though. The ski trip incident is is the is Kincannon's family dying in the ski in, in the ski lift. Oh, that's right. So you know it, we get that little bit in the in the beginning of the season where uh, he, he, uh, Jesse's dad pulls him out of bed and takes him over to Kincannon's office, and Jesse's sitting outside the office and he hears some screaming and stuff, and then his dad tells him to go, and then into in the season he's he, we find out that. Like Kincannon's kind of gone fucking crazy, and he's he's got cow intestines and his daughter's intestines in his hand. He's like, I don't see the difference. They're just meat. It's just they're exactly the same. So why should I ca-? like? He's implying why should I care so much about my daughter if I don't care about this cow that I just killed? Hey, it's also not Kincannon's fault though. It wasn't his fault that his his family died. <laughs> no, that's correct. But it it's his fault on how he reacted to the whole death. You know. Uh, (laughs) and, but then you also, you have to wonder, uh, so I, I, I wonder if that's Kincannon like had him killed for seeing him at that moment in his life, that weak, weak point in his moment, weak point in his life. That's true. I mean, yeah, I mean, 
you know, he's held at gunpoint. He's like, Hey, I don't, don't cry. You know, you gotta be strong. He's like, we don't, um, I don't raise, you know, any criers. So I forgot the word he says, but he's like, I don't raise, you know, yeah, he said we're, we're custers. We don't cry or something like that. Oh yeah, that's right. We're custers. We don't cry. And bam. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, it had to be, you know, it had to be that then. See, I gotta wonder if that's if that's what we're supposed to we're supposed to put the two and two together ourselves, or if that's supposed to be something that we're gonna find out in season two or further further down the line. Because we the plot thickens, right? Because we also know that Kincannon's wanted that land for a very long time, right? But if he wanted the land, he should he should have killed Jesse too at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now. I know that we we ha- we don't get a lot of Jesse's past, but we we I mean obviously something he was able, he did something before he became a preacher where to the fact that he was he's super good at fighting, he's super good at shooting to the point where he shot the dude's dick off. <laughs> <laughs> he even shot a machete out of one guy's hand so that it it went into another guy's body. So that was pretty incredible. But like he's 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 really quick and he's able to hold his own against uh, you know a bunch of guys. I mean, what else would you expect from Iron Man's dad? <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, you know, uh, I was going to say, uh, uh, Tulip is very uh, inventive or very, you know, uh, intelligent to the point where she, she makes that what it, that potato gun bomb machine, you know, bazooka at the very I beginning. Out of like a Roman candle, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I like that he's she's just teaching the kids the whole time while she's doing it too. <laughs> so her characters fucking awesome. <laughs> all three of those characters, her Cassidy and Preacher, just really incredible characters. They and they they have such uh, a rich history that we haven't learned yet, which is the, I think is a little frustrating. You know, I will say this though: I hate that this show decided to stoop to the level of having love triangles. That's one of the things that left me really bitter. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think, do you think Cassidy will, will, you know, act more on it? I mean, I think once he found out that her, that, that tulip was, was preacher's tulip was, he kind of just like, okay, well, you know, now I know. <laughs> I don't think he's going to act on it, but, uh, you know, he almost let us slip a couple of times. Like, should I tell him? Should I not do it? But now, you know, um, Elizabeth and fucking Tulip are friends. So, you know, that's going to cause problems for fucking Jesse. So no, because what's with that, I think Emily's dead. You don't think Emily's dead. The whole, the whole town died in the explosion. I don't know, man. I don't, oh, you're right. Is I he... don't know. I don't, she, and see that i thought that was very strange because right before the whole town explodes you see a whole bunch of people just doing things because apparently if god's not watching then why the hell do i need to be moral you know like they're okay with just doing shit and and being bad people but she's sitting there teaching her her kids that just because you know god's not watching doesn't mean that we're allowed to be assholes we're still going to be good people like she's teaching them the right thing and then everybody dies like the whole town explodes so i mean i'd have to assume that she's also part of the people that that die but the only thing that i could see that they would be okay like her death being okay in the show is because she fed the mayor to cassidy that's right but i mean you know and the whole catholic thing as soon as you repent you do the good thing right before you die you know your soul is saved so what if she ends up not dying 
if she ends up not for dying, that reason, <laughs> if she ends up not yeah. dying, then that's gonna that, that'd be pretty uh, pretty amazing. Um, because yeah, because they they I mean they report that the whole da- t- whole town dies, and uh, you know it, it, the I mean, you see you see everything go up in a, muf- a methane explosion, and there's a giant fucking mushroom cloud in the sky. <laughs> um, and I learned something from fucking uh, Fallout. Um, the reason Fallout Boy does a thumbs up is um, if you see the mushroom cloud above your thumb, that means you're still in the radiation zone. Oh, well, there you go. Video games can't teach things. <laughs> uh, uh, I did want to say uh, another thing about the the whole the whole uh, town just kind of going uh, immoral on themselves is that they, they have proof that heaven exists. They, they sat there and they talked to an angel, I assume of what, uh, that's who was taking the place of God. And the angel says that God is missing. He doesn't say like God's dead or that God's a lie, just that God's missing. So like you, I, I mean, if you already believed why would you just be like, well, if he's not sitting in the throne, then I guess I don't have to worry about being a good person. It's like you you have proof that he exists. He he's there. He's just not there. Like <laughs> to me, the, the that that premise right there kind of fell flat. I was like, oh, I don't I don't understand. I, I, if if the wording of the the guy who was impo- being the imposter god had had changed changed a little bit, then I would have been okay. I would have been okay with them all going like crazy. It's true. I mean, um, I mean, throughout this whole season, I guess the biggest challenge that we find for our main character is if if he's really succumbing to Genesis, and what if Genesis is just formed to test all? I'm just thinking out there, you know, all of us humans, it, and that really is God. Uh, that that would be interesting too. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the 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 story that we got of Genesis. So apparently towards the beginning, uh, there was, you know, there was demons and there were angels and there was a massive war between heaven and hell and, and everybody was fighting for a very long time. Then all of a sudden one angel fell in love with a demon and a demon fell in love with an angel and they, well, for lack of, lack of a better word, got it on and they created (laughs) Genesis. Uh, but you know, it's, it's interesting that, that the, the one, um, angel floor was you know like it's an abomination like like constantly like just bad mouthing it where the other one's just kind of trying to tell the story and uh <laughs> that's what i you know i got you gotta i i so i think that one of them is a demon the other one is an angel and they might even be the the demon and angel that they're talking about you're probably right then <laughs> i don't think you know that far <laughs> I, I mean it'd be interesting and especially since you know and obviously the big clue there would be when they're getting on the bus and he has to leave his comic books behind he's like it's okay love or <laughs> or darling or dearie or something like that if you this is exact words you know it's not that big a deal and then as soon as he is killed by the cowboy you know floor is obviously very uh very down and very depressed about the whole thing um when they were picked up in um, in the bus or the van, whatever you want to call it, it actually had uh, the logo of one of the uh, companies in Breaking Bad. So that was like a little nod to Breaking Bad from I, AMC Studios. That's what I heard. I heard that the, that was plus the where they picked them up from was I, I guess was also 
an area where they were waiting for a bus in Breaking Bad. I have never watched Breaking Bad, so that's what I, I had read that that was an area. Plus, the dog running across the street was also the the scene in the in the show Breaking Bad. Yep. So it was awesome. Link it together. <laughs> well, I mean, Walking Dead has blue meth in it, so. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's start wrapping it up. Is there anything else in particular that you really wanted to talk about? Um, I think my new celebrity crush is, uh, well, I guess my new comic book crush, TV crush is uh, Tulip. She's <laughs> such a fucking badass. She, she is pretty badass. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, and and great actress. She did a great job. You know, it's. I guess that was another funny thing about this show. I mean, this show is 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 set in the South. It's set in uh, it's, it's set in Texas, I believe, right? And uh, right. And you know, there's there, he's a Southern preacher, and you got you know all these uh American archetypes with the the cowboy and uh, all this other stuff, and. You know, Dominic Monaghan is from the UK. Uh, yeah. She, uh, the girl that plays Tulip, is is uh, Irish. Uh, Cassidy is from uh, from England, and the the show is produced by two Canadians. So <laughs> there's uh, not a lot of. Uh, I, I also I believe Garth Ennis is also from uh, from the UK. So there's uh, you know, there's a lot of people oh, wow. talking. You know, creating this world that belongs in. Very Americana stereotype. Yeah, um, I guess that uh, Dominic Cooper said that playing Americans is so easy for him to do because there's just so many uh, states that every part of uh, America has a different, you know, dialect for him to just pick up on on a general dialect. So he loves playing Americans for that reason. No, that's that's too true. I mean, look, uh, his Howard Stark is completely different from his his Jesse Custer. And then there's this movie called um, I want to say Dead Man Down with him and Colin Farrell, where he plays like this uh, New York gangster kind of guy or, uh, you know, gang member kind of guy. And he's he's really good in that, too. So, uh, yeah, he, he picks up dialects really well. But, I mean, you hear a lot of English actors talk about doing a southern accent is very easy for English actors because uh, it's very similar in, in many ways, English, the English dialect and the southern accent. Yeah, and um, I mean, look at Andrew since, Lincoln from playing Rick Grimes. Yeah, I know. His is just so thick and gruff and fucking sounds authentic. And, you know, Maggie... Um, her name's, uh, Lori Cohan. She's British too. And she's doing a really good job with the Southern accent as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very much so. Oh, and as, as, as well as, uh, uh, Lenny, um, I forget what is Lenny James, Lenny James. Yeah. Yeah. English actor also. Yep. And I mean, in snatch, he talked, you know, with his British accent. So it's just <laughs> crazy from, you know, hearing a British accent to going Southern as well. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the last part would be, uh, did you enjoy the season? Did you enjoy the show? You know, from um, it did pick up for me, but I guess I was just uh, from all the talk that Kevin Smith was or not Kevin Smith. I'm sorry. Seth Rogen was, you know, given it. I just thought I, I expected a lot more from the show. I knew it was going to be fucked up in a dark show, but I just expected a lot more from it. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, it it definitely it 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 
toes the line of, of vagueness very well or maybe not well enough but there's a lot of uh, questions and a lot of uh, plot holes or not plot holes but uh, loose ends and uh, subplots that you know hopefully will get answered in, in more seasons and so I mean I guess overall uh, once the season was actually done I did I did enjoy it and I'm, I'm looking forward to season two yeah I mean I would probably give it a a C out of a Maybe C plus out of uh, you know a regular grading system. F, yeah, <laughs> F to uh, A. So yeah, C plus. Well, there you go. I, uh, I I will have to give you that. That's that's a pretty good grade. That's a passing grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Jess or Jesse. Yeah, that's right. You're new. You're Jesse Custer now. So uh, just just all so right. you know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, Daniel. What uh, you know? What is your your Twitter handle so we can. People can get a hold of you, talk to you about your critique uh, of of preacher. Please give me good feedback. I'm <laughs> Any feedback is good feedback, but you can find me on Twitter at uh, Daniel von Helvet, uh, and I am at Agent underscore of the underscore Bat, and we are also at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. But if uh, you want to join the rest of the community, and what do we talk about on on online and uh, anything that has to be geek? Uh, we are also Geek Elite Radio on Facebook, and check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for past and archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. But uh, until next time, we've been Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.